Hey, welcome to the Morning Mic Check. I'm Pat Brown here with Mike Metzger. Mike and I have known each other for a while now. I first met him around 2010, and he's become one of the key mentors in my life. Over the years, we've had countless conversations, and in almost every one, I've walked away having discovered something new. Mike has this unique ability where he can reframe a conversation, and you begin to discover a deeper reality around you. It's a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. I'm releasing these conversations as an invitation to follow me as I go down that rabbit hole. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Boy, your voice sounds different today. Like you <laughs> kind of it's like a sultry voice. <laughs> Good morning, Mike. Been practicing <laughs> trying a new thing here. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me how it works out. <laughs> Well, I, I had a I had a good conversation with a friend the other day that I thought was pretty relevant to uh, what we talked about, um, and it was it was it was kind of fun. I mean, you and I have talked about the merit of gospel, um, and uh, you know, I've, I've that's come up with this friend in different contexts, but um, we definitely haven't haven't talked in depth about it or um, just how how deep that well goes, but. Uh, um, he, he shared something cool with me the, the other day. He said during his, his prayer time, he was, you know, just talking, talking to the Lord, kind of laying his heart out there, talking through, um, some, some of the, the, the internal kind of frustrations he's been having and, um, and just kind of laying them on the table for the Lord. And, and one of those was one I've actually heard, uh, somewhat commonly with guys, um, which is, you know, feeling uh, a lack of being um, pursued. He even used like seduced by his wife, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've, I've heard that before. Um, sure. You know, we want our, our, our brides to pursue us as well, but this is, this is what was pretty, pretty wild as he said, you know, um, I've had that conversation a couple times with the Lord and, I feel like two of two times I, I've just felt a, a strong sense that he was, he was telling me something and, um, I, I didn't know what it meant. And he, and he said, what, what I felt like he was telling me was, you know, here you are complaining about your bride or not complaining, but expressing your, your bride is not seducing me. He felt the Lord was saying, why aren't you seducing me? And he, what was funny is he's like, I don't even really know what that means, but I just, you know, I felt like that's what God is saying. And, and as he's telling me this, I'm just like, wow, that's, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. So I'd love to hear your take on that. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners may get a hint of, Oh, or some of them may be like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> so, We've lost our four listeners <laughs> right now, <laughs> but, but pretty, pretty wild, pretty wild. Yeah. I would say it's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> it's dark and it's early morning. We're now wide awake. Yeah. So, uh, so again, um, listeners, Biff, Joe, Betty, and whoever else <laughs> are for, for Burfle, um, we haven't prepared any of these comments, so we might come back one day and do some editing on this. But me, um, throw something out to you. What if you heard a mixed bag? Sorry, say that again. What if he heard a mixed bag? What if he heard yeah. a mixed bag? So here's what, um, I always have to be careful in the Western world, which is so anti-mystical, 
which is so mechanistic. Give me the 10 steps to Christian maturity. Give me this. Give me that. Give me the three bullet points. Give me that. Sure. Yeah. And uh, what we, the, uh, so I'm going to just go out on a limb here because I wasn't there and I didn't hear it. Um, seduce. You know, one of the uh, great, one of the skill of uh, the serpent. So bear with me, listeners. Because as Luther said, our, uh, he seeks to do with woe. His craft and power are great. He's craftier than anyone. What if he's in the suburbs of the truth here and what he right, heard? Right. Yeah. And or, so, or, uh, or possibly you know, mixing words. That's right. Right. But he's in the suburbs. And the, he, what he's in the suburbs of is his desire to have his wife initiate. Right. Is godly. And we'll talk about that in a moment. We're going to go to a poem by John Donne in a moment. But, um, yeah, okay, so that's that's helpful. So in the suburbs, I'm thinking about in Genesis, uh, and I'm thinking also about um, the tempter in uh, Lewis's uh, last book, or in Paralandra, rather, The Green Lady. You know, it's always um, he wants to get her to live on the fixed land, and he is so crafty in how, of course, God would want you to do that. And as Ransom is listening, he goes, gosh, I mean, half of what he's saying is true. Even when the tempter says to Ransom, but didn't when they went and ate the fruit, didn't it turn out well in the long run? <laughs> <laughs> That's where... Um, Lewis, being a, a medieval man, he saw more than most b- believers, certainly today. And so, uh, seduce. The word seduce comes from the French. It means to abandon your duty. So I, I doubt that God would be saying to him, tell your wife to abandon her duty. For sure. But. I do think he's on to something. And he's on to it in this. I think it does fit with the marital gospel. Now it's fascinating. I just had a couple of days with a young man and great, great time with him. But I repeatedly see, especially in a sexualized, pornographic, fallen world, you watch body language. And if you start heading deeply into the marital gospel, a lot of people get really squeamish. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Which indeed. We should be mindful <laughs> of that. But yes. So we're mindful of that. And yet, and so you can't even say something like, had we never, never fallen, we would be talking to one another, one another and we'd be naked. And there'd be no. None of that, none of that scandalous, scandalized. We are seeing, or we live deeply in a society where our conscience has been scandalized. And in a parallel world, and perhaps we'll talk about it in our next podcast, we're now seeing that also in that you cannot murder millions, millions of unborn babies and then expect 
to, in a, a balanced, reasoned way, talk about abortion. Hence, what we saw one of the justices do two days ago in the opening arguments for this case before the Supreme Court is highly political and calling out other judge, judges, justices, who she feels are leaning toward the conservative side. Now, set aside how you feel about it. That kind of decorum is unheard of in the United States Supreme Court. And now they're acting more and more like the House of Representatives, which has really become a screwy place. Yeah. So that's what that's a challenge in doing talking about this is when it's scanned, when your conscience is scandalized, any it's a third rail to talk about any of this. Yeah, I can't, that can't be the gospel. Well, my wife and I can say, uh, wish we could take you all to Italy and you're really going to walk in and see Michelangelo's David and go, that'd be a lot better if that boy was clothed. Yeah, that makes me think that there are kind of two ways to peel this back a little bit. Um, one, you can you can look into possibly, um, you, you know, let's say it's in the suburbs, like you said, and there is there is a piece to this desire. You know, why aren't you desiring me mm -hmm. like you wish your your bride ought to desire you? Um, yep. So, so that's definitely a piece. The other piece is is interesting to think about. Um, you know, Christopher West talks about uh, we teach men today that lust is, uh, you know, looking at other women out beside your wife and just wait until you're married and then you can just have those same desires and same, uh, you know, that same drool effect. Just just put it towards your wife and you're good. Wow, very good. And, and essentially lusting after your wife. And, and West Point is... No, Jesus tells us not to lust at anyone. And uh, again, the skewing of that sexual desire, uh, we miss we miss the, the difference. Um, and I think in that, that way, it's very easy, particularly for men, even Christian men, to translate oh, uh, a sexual desire with seduction. And therefore, it's the same thing. And mi again, missing the difference. Very good. That's good. <clears throat> okay. So listeners, uh, this is not going to be the, the Pat Mike, the Pat morning check. That no, doesn't work. Does it? Morning, morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good, Pat. I, you know, Mary, remember Augustine said bad things are just good things inverted. Right. And um, so what you just said, I think is brilliant that uh, lust is the inversion of <clears throat> desire. And um, so, it is true. And it is fascinating the number of men I've single men when they're single and they figure I don't have to really deal with lust because it just burns in me. When I get married, that lust will all be pointing toward my wife. So you make a good point that I think that you're then gonna hear a voice of, of you want her to seduce you. Right. Right. I think there's another way to think about it. So here's here we go. I'm gonna suggest Two passages this morning. One we and uh, walk you through them real quickly. I, actually, one passage and one poem. So the passage is Proverbs thirty, verses eighteen and nineteen. And listeners can look that up and get ready, or I can just read it to you and get there. The second is John Donne, D O N N E, and his famous poem, "Batter My Heart, Three Personed God." 
Ever heard it? I have not. So Dunn uh, is writing at the same time as Blake and other poets who lament the loss of the, the enchanted world. What what time frame? Oh, 1600s. Okay. Yeah, the onset of the Enlightenment, the collapse of the uh, what's called the sacred canopy by Peter Berger, or just the sense of the soaring cathedrals. You would look up and you would see the heavens and the heaven and the heavens and the earth and just stuffed with spiritual beings. No such thing as empty space. And you'd be enthralled. And it would all remind you of this great, great story of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the triune God, love, desiring to wed the joy of their love with beings made in their image, us. And so they wrote poetry, which was back then, poetry was meant to be sung, like the Psalms, for example, uh, in the scriptures. And the reason being is uh, music goes deeper into the soul than mere words, although words matter. And hence also, that's why in this older traditions of the marital gospel, you have songs, and then you have the song of songs, which depicts marital union. And marital union, husband, wife, male, female, is the portal into this great mystery of God, Christ, and his church, his bride, Christ, the bridegroom. And hence, Dunn and others write poetry as a way to recover and remind, recover this enchanted background, to remind us of the world before the Enlightenment, to renew that world, much like C.S. Lewis is doing. So uh, a famous one, they're called Holy Sonnets. Batter my heart, three-personed God. Let me read it to you. Batter my heart, three-person God, for you. As yet but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to mend, that I may rise and stand, overthrow me, and bend. Your force to break, blow, burn, and make new. I, like a usurped town to another do, labor to admit you, but oh, to no end. Reason, your viceroy in me, me should defend, but is captive and proves weak or untrue. Yet dearly I love you and would be loved fain, but I am betrothed unto your enemy. Divorce me, untie or break that knot again. Take me to you, imprison me, for I, except you enthrall me, never shall be free, nor ever chaste, except you ravish me. Can we do that one more time, but have you sing to me, Mike? Uh, yeah, we'll put it to... Uh... <laughs> Wow. It reminds me of the old song, remember, 70s, we're all trying to be hip cool. We took Amazing Grace and put it to the tune, 
House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> That's how old I am. Now, can you imagine reading Amazing Grace to a song about a whorehouse in New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Three-person God, Father, Son, Spirit. In the beginning is um, to overthrow me, to ravish me. Yeah. This is a bride. And it's fascinating. I like to usurp pound to another do. Labor to admit to you all but to no end. Reason, your viceroy in me. Now, by the way, we parsing poems takes the life out of him, but we have to admit that in his book, The Master and His Emissary by Ian McGilchrist, he rightly points out that reason is the emissary. It's the enlightenment. There's nothing wrong with reason, but it is the emissary, the viceroy, not the, not the master. And so here Don, writing 500 years ago or so, reason, your viceroy in me, should defend, but it's captive and proves weak or untrue. And then the appeal, yet I dearly, I love you. And I, I would be loved, fain, faithful, but I am betrothed unto your enemy. Yeah. Mm. Divorce me, untie or break that knot again. By the way, why would you say divorce me? I thought God hates divorce. Did God ever divorce anyone? Yes. Yeah, I was say the great, the great divorce comes to mind. Lewis's book. Well, not only Lewis is the great divorce, and also God says in sending him to Babylon and destroying the temple, I'm divorcing you. Yeah. I'm going to make a new covenant. So divorce me, untie or break that knot again. Take me to you, imprison me, for I accept you and thrall me. Never mm. shall be free, nor ever chaste, except you ravish me. Now, Paul said to the Corinthians, who were anything but chaste, I betrothed you to Christ that I might present you as a pure virgin. I would suggest to your friend, the message was simply inverted, but there's a ring of truth to it, and it's this. If you were more like the bride of Christ, asking that he enthrall you and ravish you, wholly ravishing, your wife would likely be more initiatory with you as well. She would see what it means for she too is the bride of Christ. And in your intermingling, you would both seek to initiate, to be ravished, to ravish one another, which is not seduction. It is rather doing your duty. The duty done in this way is not overbearing. It is freedom and being true, which is what betrothed means, to be true. Let me throw one last thing out to you, Pat, or to listeners. 
this is wondrous. And the Hebrew word for wondrous is pele, and we see it in Proverbs 30, verses 18 and 19. And here we go. I want to read it to you because there the believe uh, is called uh, son of Azure. Says there's three things that are described as wonderful, and then but he sets up these three to highlight a fourth, which he says is too wonderful to understand, which reminds me of Augustine. If you understand it, it's not God. Mm-hmm. So here we go. There are three things too wonderful for me, four that I cannot understand: the way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas. And the way of a man with a young woman. Hmm. See, all four of these have a mysterious means of movement, and all four describe the movement of one thing within the sphere or domain of another. And as we've talked about before with Lewis, but all the way back to Nicholas of Cusa in the third century on, so for 16 or 18 centuries, God was described as a sphere whose center is nowhere, whose center is everywhere, rather, and whose circumference is nowhere. In other words, God is infinite, so he's everywhere, but there's no edge out there in this sphere. He's everywhere and infinite. So all four of these wonderful things describe or depict the mysterious movement of God, a sphere within the sphere or domain of another. But the fourth is most wondrous as male and female are made in God's image. So there's spheres moving within the sphere or domain of another sphere. Thus the quote, the way of a man is quote, with the woman a term, by the way, doesn't in and of itself mean virgin, but rather describes a young woman who is sexually ready for marriage. It depicts the wonder of human sexuality, the mystery of marriage, focusing on the most intimate part of marriage, nuptial union. It's literally saying the most wondrous, enchanting experience on earth is nuptial union, orgasm. Yeah. So, so I think a couple of things in case people are listening to this, we haven't often gone this deep in the, into the marital gospel, but I think, um, we have to be mindful of our own lens when we look to this, which is a hyper sexualized, um, individualized and, yeah. and often selfish lens when it comes to sexuality. And, yes. and and again, to go back to, I think a really key place to that is just to think about the advice we give, the, the advice we give men, which is again, you know, when, when you, the difference between being single and being married is just, you can put all your sexual desires on your wife and then you're good. Um, and that's, that's not correct. <laughs> um, but that, that is, that is the, the lens. So when, when you hear things like, nuptial union or uh or even orgasm and, and you immediately are, are seeing that through what's probably uh, a skewed lens so if uh 
if any of our three listeners are listening to this and the body posture has just We're down shifted. three now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. We're down three. You know we lost one. <laughs> uh, the, your body posture is shifting and you're, you're feeling comfortable. You know, take a step back and, and sort of uh, maybe decipher whether or not that's, uh, that's based on what Mike just said or based on the, the lens in which you're, you're viewing it. So I think if you step outside of that, you start to see a little bit more of, of, of what Mike's, Mike's talking about there, um, which is, again, even thinking of nuptial union, it's hard not to think of that and immediately jump to sex in the movies. You know, and other, yeah. that's what we're talking yeah. about and the hookup culture. And no, that's, that's a very different thing, but we conflate those very easily based on our hyper-sexualized culture. That's a really good point, Pat. And um, yes, you know, it it could very well be in the mystery of this enchanted world that we're in that Lucifer, just as he took Adam and Eve's good desire to cultivate and just took it too far. Yeah. And so here's often, I mean, if I've seen one man, I've seen, I know, hundreds over the years, have come to me and says, I wish I had more sex with my wife. I wish you would initiate more. And uh, it's you can just see Lucifer whispering, you know, just taking it too far, saying, yeah, I wish you would seduce you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you go. And to your point, Pat, I think you make a good point. This may or may not help our uh, listeners, is, um, help us as well as, Hopefully this isn't a quote what Mike says, but it is a, it is, it's instructive to go back to the Corinthian church, which is a, came out of a hypersexualized, many of the believers out of a hypersexualized temple of Diana, uh, temple prostitution. Um, yeah, they had big feasts with meat sacrificed idols. And remember, Paul said to a lot of those, they had never cleaned up their conscience. And a, and a conscience that is scarred or scandalized would say to other people in the church, I can't believe, I can't believe you're eating meat down there in the market, even though it's at a discount rate. That was sacrificed to idols. That's what took me down. And remember Paul in other places says, to the pure, pure in conscience, all things are pure. It's only those with a scandalized conscience to try to take other people emotional hostage and say, don't talk about that. That's not good. That's, that's, that's purient or they're puritanical and na 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 versus John Donne ravish me. Lest I, I'll never be faithful unless you ravish me. And, uh, yeah, I think um, I think you made a great point, Pat. That uh, to the pure in conscience, all things are pure. You can talk about these things. You can also hear a friend and go, "Ah, oh, my friend." In the nugget of what you want, there's truth. But it's been flipped upside down. Let me put it back aright. If you were seeking to be ravished and your bride were seeking to be 
was seeking to be ravished because both of you are the bride of Christ. You would both want to be ravished also by one another, enthralled, wondrous. I'd like to dig in a little bit too to this. Um, you know, there's there's an inkling here, and there's there's an inkling of, um, you know, let's let's even let's. So we, we talked about maybe maybe seduced is is a, a slight distortion. Um, so, so we'll, we'll replace that with, uh, a deep longing or desire, you know, posturing yourself, uh, to deeply long and desire. How are you in, engaging maybe? Um, and what's, what's wild to me is again, this is, this is, this is someone that we haven't talked fully through the marital gospel and yet he's seeing these pieces of his marriage that there's this inkling developing of wait a second there's something about this what i want from my bride god does god want this from me that's it and that's you know it takes me back to a conversation that i had a while ago um with with a non-believer and you know we were talking very casually it wasn't a religious conversation at all but we were, we were talking a little about about science. Actually, that's not true. I, I take that back. There, there, were, there was definitely religion involved in this conversation. Um, but uh, talking about science and talking about evolution and science and, and that whole piece. And I said, you know, you know what's fascinating to me is, uh, and I'm not anti-evolution. I, I definitely think God can, whatever, I, in no way against evolution as a, as a means of creation by by God. But I said, you know what's fascinating to me is what never quite made sense is if evolution is, is about survival of the fittest and um, and a selection and, and all these pieces coming together, why the heck does sex make sense? <laughs> you know, why does it require two people? That just seems, and, and we know there are, there are what, what uh, asexual creatures. Are, like, why, why is it that humans mm-hmm. require two? <laughs> And, um, very inefficient, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sure there are some evolutionary biologists that would, you know, tear that apart and give us some explanation, but that's a really good piece of, of information because they also are operating on a very theoretical, uh, well, this is what we can presume to, to have happened through an ev- evolutionary lens. But I just remember him who's a very intelligent guy, very scientifically informed. And he said, huh, I never thought about that. That's really interesting. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like, hmm, there's, there's something fascinating here. So it just reminds me of that, of there, there's this, this, I think a really beautiful question being asked here, which is what, what is my, what are my longings? What is my, what is my marriage? What is that pointing to? And that's what I love about his, his comment to me about maybe, I don't know, something about God telling me, how are you, how are you posturing yourself to long for me? You know, yes. uh, there's something yeah. about that that's like, wow, maybe he's 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 seeing this. He's he's picking up on this hint of marriage is pointing somewhere else, and that was really cool. I agree. Uh, I, that that is cool. And I mean, you think about that. Uh, at least is 
I, I think I'm on pretty solid ground when you think even of betrothal of marriage, a Jewish marriage having three parts, betrothal, preparation, then consummation. Right. And that's that depicts also salvation. The flesh is called in the older churches the hinge of salvation. It's through the flesh. We swing the door open and go, oh, that's why the Bible says we have been saved, betrothal. We're being saved, preparation. And will be saved, consummation. And uh, so you have all three of these. And so part of it is preparation. And I think preparation, if you want to get down to sort of brass tacks, so to say, is um, we want our spouse to be sexy. Hmm. We want our spouse to, and sexy includes even human. Um, I, I shave because Kathy doesn't want to, uh, hmm. you know, kiss kiss a bearded man. And, <laughs> Uh, I mean, a stubbly man, even though the movies, we, we watch movies and go, how does that work? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, deodorant, uh, staying in shape. Yeah. I was reading uh, with the pandemic, uh, as you know, there's been a uh, the decline of sex you know, over the last actually 40 years or so um, has been uh, exacerbated as uh stories of mostly but not entirely uh, women putting on shape uh, putting on weight and talking about uh, changing in their closet in the dark because they don't want their, their husbands to see their body and uh, you just see this whole thing it, go, it falls apart in a, in a million different ways we we I, I think we should be so bold as to say Jesus wants a bride who, who looks sexy she's prepared she's a pure version she is she is uh, this picture in um, Proverbs is of is similar to as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for mm. you. And so I think in a way what he's wanting, he has to be also. That is, he wants a a bride who is sexy, who's prepared, kept in shape, kept taking care of her body, taking care of her soul. Um, and you know, that includes, I mean, I, Kathy's bought some sensational nightgowns. I just go, praise God for these nightgowns. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, these are just marks of a great marriage that I think are portals into, <clears throat> this is the mark of a great believers who understand they're not just individual atomatized believers who are going to plunk their way to heaven and then walk around and visit the universe. They're also in the great mystery, what Paul said, when Christ comes, the real path, the real Mike is going to be revealed. And the real path, the real Mike, is less so that we are Mike and Pat as individuals, but we are the bride, part of this new Jerusalem, this temple coming down, depicted in Revelation, that is so mind-blowing. John, like a millennial, keeps saying, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like. And that's really saying, it's ineffable. It's You can't explain it entirely. But it's real. It's the real deal. And I think that wanting a bride and wives wanting men who take care of themselves, take care of their bodies. They're not fat, beer-drinking 
football watching slobs who, um, you know, I'm sure that there's just a lot of marriage. I, I know very well. They get X amount of years in, look at one another and said, what the heck happened to you? Hmm. Well, you've lost the magic. You've lost the mystery of this whole, why, why do we get married? And I'm really happy to say Kathy and I have never forgotten why we got married and what it depicts, what it's a portal into, and are enchanted with one another to this day. We are in, we find each other enchanting, alluring, sexy. Mm. 